Welcome to the Happy Menopause podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with practical nutrition advice to support you through this transition. It's out now and available to order in all the usual places. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. The theme of this year's World Menopause Day is bone health, something that really needs to be front of mind for women in mid and later life. Bones contain cells called osteoclasts, which dissolve old bone, and osteoblasts, which build new bone. This regular renewal process helps to keep our bones strong. But bone tissue is reactive and needs impact to grow, which is why resistance forms of exercise are so important. So while the drop in oestrogen postmenopause significantly affects our bone density, we really do have it in our hands to arrest and even reverse that decline. Today's guest is the perfect role model because she's done just that and now has the bone density of a 25-year-old. I'm sure we'd all like to know how she's done that. I'm thrilled that Dr. Catherine Walter is speaking to us. She's a shining light in the world of English language teaching and an emeritus fellow in applied linguistics at Oxford University. But she's also a world record holding power lifter who took up the sport at the age of 65 and hasn't looked back since. Her story is incredibly inspiring and is a real example to any woman who wants to take control of her own health and well-being. Keep listening to learn about her fascinating journey, her helpful advice for exercising as an older woman, and the physical confidence she's achieved through building her strength, which provided her with the ultimate put-down for an annoying guy in a bar. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Catherine. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I think you've got a fascinating story, so I'm very excited that you're with us today, and I can't wait to hear all about it. But before we go down to the core of the episode, which is all about the bone health and strength, let's find out a little bit more about you. So can you tell us your story? You know, what's your background? Where are you from? And and where did it go from there? Well, um, I was born in Texas uh, in a working class family, the first person in my family to go to university. Um, I was, uh, I was very strong in maths and science, and I began my university degree in biology because I wanted to be a microbiologist. Wow. But we're talking here in 19, early 1960s, and uh, I was told a woman couldn't be a research scientist. And, wow. Uh, and I didn't come from the kind of family that would have people behind me saying, don't pay any attention to them, follow your dream. Yeah. And so I changed my major to French, which I had just started learning, uh, but I loved. And I took a little bit longer to finish my degree. I then uh, managed to save some money and go to France. I did my second degree at the Sorbonne oh. uh, in competition with French, in French language and literature in competition with French kids. Very um, impressive. So I felt that I had kind of solidified my French by then. Uh, Paris was a hard city to leave. I, uh, I got a job at a higher education institution. I was very happy there. But for family reasons, I then, in 1980, moved to the UK. By that time, I was starting to write English language textbooks. 
and my partner and I... Sorry, when you say that, do you mean for English language teaching? Yes. So I was teaching English to engineers and training English language teachers in Paris. Right. And then I had to quit my job because my school would not give me an extra year's leave without pay when my first child was ill. So So I started writing textbooks. I see. And then... We moved to the UK because the chap is British. This was supposed to be for a few years. <laughs> and here you are still. <laughs> here I am, 40 years later. Yeah, and so uh, our textbooks were, we started writing textbooks together, and they were much more successful than they were supposed to be. Ah, uh, well, I have to hold my hands up here and say I know all about that because before I trained as a nutritional therapist, my f- original degree was French and oh. I lived in Paris for a long time. <laughs> um, my first job after doing a little bit of teaching and, and dabbling in that was for Oxford University Press promoting and marketing English language teaching materials. So I actually have known your name for a very long time, although not in the context we're talking about today. <laughs> so we were very successful, and I was enjoying it, but I missed the classroom. Right. And so when I was coming up to the menopause, I decided to go to Cambridge and do a PhD. As you do. (laughs) (laughs) Because life's so easy as you head into the menopause. You really want to just do something like that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and uh, because I wanted to, to... get into higher education teaching in uh, in the UK. Yeah, so I did that. It took me a while to get a job after that because of ageism, basically. Right. What was the PhD in? Applied linguistics. I see. Okay. But then, of course, by the time you finished that, you're how old? 53, roughly? 54, yeah. something like that. And, yeah, that's, that's just such an issue. I think a lot of women in their 50s, you know, if they find themselves made redundant or suddenly looking to change direction – much, much harder to get that job. So I'm not surprised you found it difficult. Mm. So then I got a really good job at the Institute of Education, a part of London University, and now a part of UCL. And I loved it. I was teaching. I was researching. I was teaching both face-to-face and by distance. I was having a lovely time with everything except the commute from Oxfordshire to London. So then, uh, in about maybe 2009, I was headhunted by the department at Oxford, the Uh education department at Oxford. I see. So that's the Oxford connection. And I I worked there for about five years when I once again became a victim of ageism because Oxford and Cambridge are the only universities in the UK that have a derogation from the law that you can't make people retire for their right. But I continue doing some research. I am still on the university's disability advisory group. I'm active in my college. Um, it wasn't an ideal solution. but So how old were you when you had to stop teaching there then? 68. Right. I see. Okay. So you've still got that strong connection and you're still a fellow, of course, of, of the college. Yes, yes. Well, that is quite the story, isn't it? And then, of course, 
in amongst all of that, we've got uh, another story, which is, I think, going to be equally, if not more fascinating, <laughs> is the story of not Dr. Catherine, the Emeritus Fellow at Oxford University, but Catherine, the powerlifter. So <laughs> what was the motivation? Because I think you were 65 when you started. Is that right? That's right. Mm. How long so, ago was that? Do you mind if I ask how old you are now? Next Sunday, I will be 75. Oh, my goodness. So you've been powerlifting for 10 years. Yes. Right. Um, so tell us, how did you get started? Well, I was uh, on a weekend in Paris with one of my sons, and I was complaining to him because I felt that I wasn't as fit as I used to be, and I didn't have time to go to the gym five times a week. And at my age, I thought it might be the slippery slope. Now, mind you... I was not good at sports at school, and I've always been fairly fit. I do mountain walking and cross-country skiing and recreational cycling, but I've never before been a competitive athlete. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like I should be in shape as a person. And my son said, Mom, calm down. (laughs) You don't need cardio, and you don't need to go to the gym five times a week. You're always running up and down stairs, cycling on the Ridgeway, walking around Oxford. That's all the cardio you need. What you need to do is lift heavy weights for few repetitions, and you'll only have to do it twice a week. Sounds like a perfect solution. Where, where there's, it's a win-win situation. So I thought, okay. How does he know this? Is he particularly sporty himself? He's in the army. Oh, I see. Okay. He's, He's an officer in the British army, so. Oh, okay. He knows about these kind of things. Yeah, no, that, that gives me complete confidence. <laughs> okay, so, so what did you do? Well, this is where what my mother would call divine providence comes into play. I might call it serendipity. You make up your mind. <laughs> I realized that there was a librarian in the education department at Oxford who was a weightlifting coach. Ah, So I waited until there was nobody in the library, and I kind of sidled up to him and quietly (laughs) said, am I too old for this gig? (laughs) And he said, well, there's only one way to find out. And he said, and you're lucky. I said, how can you tell? And he said, well, you're at Lineker College, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, it's got the best weights area in the collegiate university. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this was so meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) So there I was. No problem at all. Great coach, great gym. And we went and tried it out. And and what was it like, I mean, the first time? Can you remember? He started off by asking me to squat to see how low I could squat. You know, feet flat on the floor, squat down. How low can you squat? Uh, Because he said it doesn't matter how low or high it is. I just want to know what our baseline is. Right. And so I just squatted down pretty low because I'm from Texas. And in Texas, if you want to talk to somebody and you're outside, you just squat down and talk to them. Okay. I didn't know that. (laughs) So I squatted down and he said, it's usually only Asian people who can get that low. Well, okay, so more luck. And he said, well, this is going to be about strength, but also about flexibility. And obviously, you've got some flexibility. And then 
When I got under the bar to do a squat for the first time, just a bar, very gently, it kind of felt like that's what my body was meant to do. It kind of felt like coming home. Goodness. And when you think about it, people have, people have squatted down and picked things up on their backs since we were people. Yeah, absolutely. So a very sort of primitive almost mm. response from your body, just recognizing the movement, mm. I suppose. Mm. How interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So tell me this, because not everyone might be sort of quite clear about powerlifting. What's different from using the weights machines you can get in the gym? What exactly is powerlifting? Okay, well, to answer the that first question, the difference from using the weights in the gym is that when you power lift, you're not just training your strength, you're training your balance. If you use one of those machines in the gym where the, say I do a squat in the gym on what they call a Smith machine, where the, the bar is in a rack and the, and the machine yes. keeps the bar in the rack. I know what you mean. I'm, I'm lifting something, but, but the machine is doing all the work of keeping all the little muscles in balance and keeping my whole body in balance. Right. So it's, it's a, it's really quite a substantial difference. Okay, so what is powerlifting? People are probably used to seeing weightlifting uh, in the Olympics, and those, those are two quite dramatic kinds of lifts, mm. the clean and jerk and the snatch. Powerlifting has three lifts, the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. In a squat, you move under the bar, Settle the bar on your shoulders. Squat down until your thighs are parallel with the floor and stand up again. Right. That's the squat. The second lift is the bench press. You've probably seen people bench pressing. You lie down on a bench. You take the bar off the rack. You bring it down to your chest and you push it up until your arms are straight. Right. And the deadlift, the easiest of all, the bar is on the ground, you lean over, you pick it up until you're standing up straight, and you put it back down again. I see. So you just lift it to against your hips, you're not lifting it above your head. You don't even lift it to against your hips. Your, your arms stay, you just lift it up, and not with your arms. Your arms are only holding the bar. Right. You're lifting it with your legs and your back. And it ends up kind of midway up your thighs because depending okay. on how long your arms are. <laughs> of course, yeah. I see. Okay. When you got started then, I mean, it sounds as if you're naturally good at this. What's the heaviest you've lifted and, and how long did it take you to get there? The very heaviest I've squatted was in 2018, where I did three repetitions at 100 kilos. Wow. So that's more than the body weight of, of a, an adult person, isn't it? A lot more than a body weight of an adult person, depending on who you're trying to lift. Well, I weigh 58.5 kilos. So it wasn't, wasn't double my body weight. And I but not probably far off. <laughs> Gosh. In February 2000, I, I had some, then I had some health things and I had to drop back again. In February 2020, I was squatting 90 kilos I was bench pressing 
37 and a half kilos, which is not a magnificent bench press for some people, but it was good for me. And I was deadlifting maybe 100, 105 kilos. Wow. So that's sort of quite big stuff. And I know that you got involved in competitive training. So tell us about that. How did that come about? Well, (laughs) I had been lifting for about, so let me see. I started in May 2012. We started the club in October 2012. And sometime around December, my coach said, you know, you might want to think about competing. It would give you a focus. So I thought, sure, why not? Uh, So I started competing in January 2013. Three of us from the club went up to Scotland. Uh, One of the wonderful things about powerlifting is that you are in a weight category and an age category. Right. So when I say weight category, you're in a body weight category. Mm, I, I only compete normally against women who are between 55.1 kilos and 58.5 kilos. Right. I see. Yeah. So it's a little bit like boxing, I suppose. You're within a certain band. Yes. Okay. So what's it like to be in a competition? Well, powerlifting competitions are wonderful. Uh, And I get this feedback every time I take a new lifter to a competition because everybody's on your side or almost everybody's on your side. Uh, Because you're divided by age and weight, you're not competing against everybody in the room. Right. Yes, I see. Uh, And, uh, but the other thing is, everybody's rooting for you. It's just wonderful to see at competitions, these little tiny women pressing, maybe bench pressing what they can, which might be something that some of the guys in the room could pick up with their little finger. Mm-hmm. And and as if they're if they start struggling, everybody in the room is shouting, "Come on, come on, you can do it!" Drive, <laughs> wow. drive. It's it's a wonderful vibe. So uh, very empowering then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and how successful have you been with your com- competitions? Well, I've kind of got all of the world records for my age and body weight. <laughs> you say that very modestly. So you are the world record holder. Yes. That's that's extraordinary. Congratulations. So does it get better than that? <laughs> well, I'm working at it. There's a kind of there's a kind of coefficient you can apply to compare people with lower body weights and younger people against mm. older people with Right. Yes. So so sort of a, the Comparing the, the parameters and the ratio, seeing where you would stand, were you able to compete? With the coefficient, maybe the third strongest woman in Britain at the moment, I wouldn't mind climbing up that Of level. any age? Yeah. Yes, with the coefficients applied, yes. yes. That's, oh my goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. God, you know, I'm only seeing you remotely, so I'm only just sort of seeing a very small bit of your head and shoulders here. But uh, if you're 58 kilos, you're obviously very, you know, really quite petite. So that's just extraordinary that you know, within your your parameters, within your band, you're lifting so such heavy weights. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Let me just say there, if I may, that that's me, and I've I'm competing, and I I've enjoyed that, and I clearly have some kind of talent for it, and it's something that I get along with well. But the women in our club lift for different reasons, and we have people with 
severe physical disabilities. We have people who are not interested in competing, just want to do it because they they want to keep fit and they love the, the vibe of a, of a group of strong women. And then we have some people who, who are using the powerlifting to compete in other sports. But it's not, it doesn't have to be a competitive sport. No, no, I understand that. So tell me this, I know that, well, about 18 months ago, COVID moved into all our lives and that you particularly have been affected by long COVID. So tell us about that and how that's affected your your powerlifting. Well, I I got COVID on the 11th of March, 2020. Um, I was not hospitalized, but it morphed into long COVID and I'm still uh, living with long COVID. Uh, Some things have improved. Some things are still up and down. I basically stopped lifting for a while. And then I have lifted when I can, when I feel that it's not going to overstress my body. Because like ME or uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, people with long COVID put you in a situation where if you push yourself too hard, you are bound to relapse. So I've been careful only to lift when I felt I was having a good day and to stop if I felt that I was starting to get symptoms that were worrying. Uh, So I haven't lifted much, but I have started lifting regularly again. And okay, I'm only squatting 50 kilos, but I'm doing it with perfect form. And I'll probably add one kilo 25 next week and see where we get. Brilliant. That's amazing. I mean, it's so difficult. And anyone listening who's struggling with long COVID can only imagine just how how tricky that's been for all of you. And and of course, for you, Catherine, and it's a tough one because any form of post-viral fatigue is very individual. And for some people, you know, long COVID is very long indeed. And I think you're very wise to be sort of taking it a day at a time and just listening to your body because that's really what's needed but what I think is very encouraging is that although you obviously had to stop for a while you're back you're back lifting and I think that's a a great reminder that for any of us who have any kind of illness or injury you can get back there you can get back to what you were doing before and it must have been wonderful to get back to your club and and see all your ladies again absolutely so do you want to hear about the club yes tell us about the club Okay, so so I started lifting in May 2012, and I soon felt that I couldn't keep this to myself. So I put out a notice at Lineker College, and on the 12th of October 2012, we had our first uh, group session. And uh, we've never looked back. It's a lovely group of women, cis and trans, and people with a fluid gender identity that includes women. We are people of all ages, so we welcome students, staff, and academics. Unlike a lot of quite competitive sports clubs at Oxford, we include people with disabilities. I always have a sports hijab in my bag in case a woman comes along and wants to try to try it out and lift safely while retaining her her modesty with her religious principles. So, yeah, it's a very, very inclusive group, very supportive. We meet twice a week on Wednesday evenings and uh, Saturday mornings. And, in fact, a few years ago, a documentary um, filmmaker asked us if he could 
use us to make a documentary film that he wanted to enter into competitions. So of course we said yes. And that's on Absolutely. our website. I'll give you a I'll give you a link to that. Sure, and I'll be sure to put that on the show notes so everyone can access it. It gives you a real flavor of of what it's like to be in an all women club because it's not just of course people are getting fit, people are getting strong, people have got a nice social environment, but it teaches you all sorts of other things like it teaches you things about failure. Oxford, as you imagine, is a very competitive, uh, success-oriented place. These women who come in as, as mostly graduate students are, are the people that we have in our club, master students or doctoral students. They may never have failed anything in their lives. And yeah. you cannot yeah. do a master's degree or a doctorate without failing. But in the club, we learn that failing doesn't make you a failure. If you're not failing at all, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. Yeah, and you're not progressing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really positive way of looking at it. And it also teaches them the value of incremental gains. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to do a PhD, you're not going to do it in a weekend. No, you're certainly not. And you need to, to think about making small gains and looking back after a year and saying, my gosh, I'm lifting so much more than I was a year ago by just showing up and just making very small gains. Yeah, the marginal gains. They talk about a lot in the Olympics, isn't it? Mm. Interesting. So let's get down to the nub of it, because, of course, the theme for this year's World Menopause Day is bone health. And so what I want to know, Catherine, is is how has all this wonderful resistance work you've done, how has it affected your health and your bone density? What can you tell us? Well, uh, I guess I'd like to talk about my health, but also about a few other health issues. First of all, bone density. I have the bone density of a 20-year-old. Miriam Nelson at Harvard has done a large body of work working with women aged between 65 and 90 in care homes. So these are not women who are very independent. Getting them to lift what they can lift, whatever it is they can start out lifting, something that's heavy enough so that you couldn't lift it more than five times. Mm. Right. And she has increased the bone density of 90-year-old women with that program. Wow, that is fantastic. That's what we want to hear because I think there's such a concern about the sharp decline in bone density post-menopause. And you know, we, we're a very sedentary society now. So I think a lot of women are worried about whether they, they can reverse that and whether they can increase their bone density again with the right approach. So it's really encouraging to hear that. And it is the right approach. It's not a hundred repetitions with one of those, what I'm sorry, we call Barbie weights. <laughs> I've got some of those. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) They are often pink. Mine are orange, I'm just saying. (laughs) But lifting something that, that, as I say, you could not lift more than five times without resting. So something quite heavy. Right. Uh, Just what my son said, heavy weights, few repetitions. Not only does it increase your uh, bone density, Another thing that might not have been talked about so much in past years is is muscle wastage. The Mm. technical term is sarcopenia. 
That is to say, not only do you start losing bone density, but you start losing strength in your muscles. You do. You can lose up to 40% of your muscle mass by the time you've gone through the menopause. And you can restore it by lifting heavy weights. The thing about powerlifting is it strengthens all of your main muscles. If you do the three powerlifting weights, plus maybe some abdominals and overhead presses twice a week, you will work all your muscle groups and you will produce chemicals in your body that tells your muscles to get stronger. Because your muscles, if you, if you stress your muscles that just that little bit so that you could, are lifting something you could only lift five times, the muscles say, whoo, wait a minute, folks, we're going to have to do some work. We better get stronger. And off they go. I will also just mention that it's very good for diabetes. Okay. And uh, what's the connection there? Well, it lowers, it lowers blood glucose. Does it now? Yeah. Okay. I wonder what the... Uh sort of biochemical um, reaction is I'll send you some that. articles but no yeah, interesting it, uh, yeah okay so presumably then this is something that any woman could try at any age but I mean are there things we should take into consideration before we start powerlifting? because all of this sounds super exciting and I want to get straight down into it but what should I be thinking about and what should any woman be thinking about before they plunge into it I, I'm not a doctor so Anything I say here is just going to be what's from my experience and from my reading. But I would certainly advise people to make sure your GP is fine with it, that you that otherwise you don't have any problems. Although there are very few conditions that would exclude you from powerlifting. I've got a friend who's just developed rheumatoid arthritis. So I dived back into the literature and it turns out that Resistance training, powerlifting, or some other kind of resistance training is good for rheumatoid arthritis. But check with your doctor and get a coach. Get a good coach because yeah. it's the safest sport when performed correctly. If you have a table of how many injuries per 100 hours in all different kinds of sports, powerlifting's right at the bottom of that, and especially if you do it correctly. Right. So yeah. it's important to get a coach. I mean, I get questions like, but I have arthritis. Well, it can control arthritis. I have arthritis. I have moderate arthritis in my knees and all over my body, but mostly my knees. And it's because my muscles are now much stronger around the knees, the arthritis isn't as painful. Right. Yeah. People say, won't it hurt my back? It will strengthen your back. It will make your back much stronger, and so it will hold your, your back together with its muscles. Shouldn't I lose weight first? If you lose weight, the first thing you lose is muscle. So I would say lift first, and then you can think about losing weight. And anyway, I think the equivalence between uh, body size and strength is very problematic. I won't give you my rant on BMI, but... Uh, <laughs> no, no, and I won't give you mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've got an. I article. think we both know what we mean. <laughs> mm, yeah, I've got an okay. article about that, and yeah. and people, and then pe- um, another thing, maybe maybe menopausal women won't worry about this so much, but young women tend to ask me if it'll make them bulk up. You know, they don't want to look like sure. the, the people you might see in the Olympics. Well, 
I'm afraid that most of us don't produce enough testosterone for that. Yeah. Our muscles get stronger, but they don't get bigger. I am only a little bit bigger around the shoulders than I was when I started this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the rest, I'm wearing the same clothes I was wearing. So the thing is, in some ways, it all fell into place very neatly for you because you happen to know the librarian who was also the power coach. You've set up your safe space, essentially, with your Linica ladies. What about women out there who are thinking, well, you know, the weights area in my gym, it's quite male dominated. It's a bit intimidating. I don't even know how to go about finding a power coach. So what advice have you got for women who sort of fancy the idea? Because I must say you make it sound really appealing, but they just don't know where to start and feel a bit uncomfortable perhaps about it. Two ways of going about that. One is there are lots of there are lots of Facebook pages for women powerlifters out there where you can ask questions. Okay. Um, if you really don't want to go to the gym and just want to give it an initial go, there's a book by the woman who did that work at Harvard, Miriam Nelson, called Strong Women Stay Young. And it's a kind of do-it-yourself, start-off-with-what-you've-got-at-home book. With a okay. set of ex- It explains everything. It's got a set of exercises. So that's something you could do without ever getting into the gym. Um, I understand what, how people feel about the weight sections of, of most gym, gyms. Uh, I, I, think, I really think that most women will want to find a coach and that they can find help in finding that coach uh, and maybe a club to train with um, before they go into the weights area on their own. But once mm-hmm. you've done that, I've been to gyms all over the world, and I've had people go to the gym reception desk and say, did you see how much that woman's putting on that bar? And they're like, yeah. And in the weights area of the gym, you're going to get two kinds of guys. You're going to get serious power lifters or weight lifters, and they're going to respect you. And then you're going to get the guys who are just, you know, the bros who yeah. <laughs> think that women who would be, be misogynistic in the gym, in the restaurant, in the cafe, in the office. Those guys are around. But once you have the confidence to, once you've, you know, learned a bit and started training, if I get any kind of flack from the bros, usually what they do is they come up and give you advice. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> and so somebody comes up, gives me advice. I say, okay, thanks. And then I keep doing what I was doing. If they come back a second time, I say, I'm fine here. Thank you. If they come back a third time, I say, my coach trains world champions. I think I've got this one. Oh, and you're not tempted to say, actually, I'm the world record holder. <laughs> well, I know it, but I don't have to say it. <laughs> no, no, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's really good advice. Hmm. And actually, it doesn't just give you confidence in the gym, it gives you confidence everywhere. One of the things, for example, if, you're, if you strengthen your muscles through something like powerlifting, if you trip, you catch yourself better. And so physically, it makes you feel more confident. And psychologically, one Christmas, a friend and I had to walk through a group of guys at a bar. 
And one of them turned to me and said, hey, honey, would you like a Christmas kiss? And, All right. and I didn't, I didn't, I mean, me, the me of a few years back might have got angry or got frustrated or felt dirty. Or I just turned to him and I said, I did say it this time. I said, you know what? I hold all the world records for my age and body weight in powerlifting. I wouldn't mess with me if I were you. And his friends burst out laughing. <laughs> Good for you. Good and for you. He won't do that again soon. It no, gives no. you it gives you a presence. It gives you yeah. confidence yeah. in yourself. Yeah, that is good to hear. So, how can people find out a little bit more about you know, Linica Ladies and and the the movie and so on that you've mentioned? Well, I'll give you some links that you can put in your program notes. Excellent. Yep, I'll be sure to do that uh, about that about the book by Miriam Nelson. I'll put up. A powerlifting associations, the World Drug Free Powerlifting Association, which is who I compete with, I'll put up their uh, their links and uh, yeah, and maybe some some inf- some information with articles. There's a whole lot more I could say about health, both mental health and physical health. Apparently, this kind of resistance training that powerlifting is is more effective in combating depression than cardio is. Why? I don't know, but that's what the that's what the facts say. So I'll put some of those articles up. I've also be got great. some podcasts by somebody who specializes in training older people. Yeah, I'll give you everything I can think of that might be of use to your people. So tell me this before we wrap up. What would your top tips be for women who want to improve their bone density and are considering trying powerlifting? Two tips. Do what you can do to feel comfortable about starting. Don't continue if you don't enjoy it because you won't continue if you don't enjoy it. But most of all, find a good coach. Yeah, yeah, it seems to all come down to that, which is really sage advice. Catherine, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I could carry on for another hour, but we can't because we have to wrap up. So thanks so much for joining us today. It's really been fascinating. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to have been able to share some of my experience with you. What a woman. I don't know about you, but I really want to be one of the Lineker ladies now. I'm feeling hugely motivated to get out there, find myself a power coach and start lifting. If you're wondering how to get started, Catherine has generously shared a load of resources, including links to affiliated clubs worldwide, advice on how to get started at home, some great podcasts on powerlifting for older people, and lots of research on why strength training is so important to building bone density. I've put all of these links on the show notes on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk. So hop on over if you want to find out more. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.